step into the pop confabulorium and take a transmuniary trip to the highs and lows of popular culture. We'll be talking music and movies turning 20, 30, even 100 years old this week in history. No hornswoggle or tomfoolery, just a straight shooting bona fide critical tour through movies and music, both unforgettable and best left forgotten. Join him, Aaron, and myself, Nathan, Saturday afternoons from 3 to 5 on Northumberland 89.7, Truly Local Radio. It's fun and educational and bona fide. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Topics in today's Schedule A, buying a home and looking for a way to finance immediate renovations. The lighter side of real estate. The Northumberland real estate market stats. Today's mortgage rates and much, much more. This is Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's real estate talk show. And I'm Dale Bryant. And I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, we bring you Reality Realty, your local real estate forum where we take on, talk about, and interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. Be ready to smile this morning because a large part of today's show will be focused on the lighter side of real estate. And when I say lighter, I mean lighter for everyone except for the people directly involved at that time. Joining me this morning is co-host, uh, as co-host, is the is a mortgage broker representing the Broker Financial Group here in Northumberland County, and she is a regular co-host of this show, Carol Ann Bryant. Good morning, Carol Ann. Good morning, Dale. A radio good morning. A radio good morning, Yeah, yes. and are you ready to make a difference in the lives of thousands of listeners this morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, and, and that's fantastic. So, you know what, Carol Ann, almost two years doing this show, and right. I decided to play the intro twice this morning. Yeah. It's been a while. I, thought, I thought I was over that, <laughs> but apparently I'm not. Well, let's begin the, with the market update here. Uh, let's take a look at Snapshot. And Snapshot is a look at today's residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. And the statistics here, they might seem dry, but they're very important because knowing market statistics is certainly a key component to understanding market value, either the market value of the home you own or the market value of the homes you're thinking of purchasing. There have been 151 single-family residential sales over the past month, 151, and that's an increase of 11 sales over last week's report. That leaves us with an inventory of 316 residential listings for sale in our county. The average selling price of successful sales over the past 12 months has increased once again this week to approximately 335000 
On average, successful sales are receiving 98% of their asking price in a market time of 52 days. We are in a seller's market with an absorption rate of 48% based on the past month's trend. And that is a 5% increase in absorption rate from last week's report. So we are, we are getting deep, deep, deep into a seller's market again. Which it has been all spring and summer. Which it, it's been, yeah, such a, a deep uh, seller's market. So we're at... We're at 48% here, and when I take a look uh, and I, I track I track them every week, I can see numbers we were up to that were in the 50s. Mm. So, yeah, we were, we were much deeper in the seller's market in the spring and early summer. We, we had a, more, a, a little bit more relaxed market at the very end of the summer, but we are tracking back up to... It's picking up again. Yeah, that that situation where there is definitely more demand than there is supply in residential resales going on. And and Caroline, when I think back to when I first started this show almost two years ago, mm-hmm. now I'm I'm going from memory, but my memory should be pretty good because I, I looked this up very recently. Our average price right now I reported at 335,000. We were at 289,000 only 2 years ago. Wow. 289,000. So, so in 2 years we've went up 35 and another 11, 46,000 in our average selling price. Which means people that are not wanting to sell have gained some instant equity in their homes. Oh, absolutely. For, which will kind of play into a topic I'm going to discuss yeah, today. Later on, yeah. yeah. So absolutely anybody who is a homeowner and has been a homeowner over the last two years, uh, your, your investment in your home has definitely gone up substantially. And and I think also that the other big thing that has changed since I first started doing this show and reporting the stats is we, we now have a market time of 52 days. Now, that's, that's across all of Northumberland County, mm-hmm. but on average, 52 days to successfully sell your home. And the number back then, what do you think the number back then might have been? It was higher. It took longer. Um, oh, I'm going to say it was in maybe the 80 day range. Wow, you're really good. 86 days. Well, I am in the business, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> and you talk about it constantly, yeah, okay. so that you was don't kind of unfair. To, you don't have to look. At, <laughs> you don't have to look at these stats. No. Well, nobody has to look at these stats, but they're they're certainly beneficial. If these stats are something you're interested in, you can also see. Uh, a final sh- uh, snapshot statistics uh, at the end of each month because I post them on my social media on an easy-to-read chart. And so if you check out my Facebook, Twitter, or Google Plus pages, you'll be able to see at the end of each month. Usually usually it's posted the first week of the next month is usually when I get it posted. 
and I research these Northumberland County statistics, and I calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And List Central is the local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling your home or a home, you'll want this information to be area-specific, specific to the property type, because a starter home is going to have different stats than maybe a $600,000 century home. Sure. So the property type and the area you're looking at, because Coburg's going to have different stats than on what called them in Township, than Crammy Township. So they're all a little different. So what do you do? Ask your local realtor to find mm-hmm. out that information that's most relevant to you. Carol Ann, mortgage rates, we want to know. What's yes, happened? everybody's waiting patiently for that. Yeah, what's, um, what's happened there? No, no change from last week. Um, you can still get a five-year fixed as low as 2.29%. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the five-year variable, yeah, as low as prime minus 0.7, prime being 2.7, so that's 2%. Um, if you're interested in knowing what interest rates are for other terms, because you can get a six-month all the way up to a 10-year term, you can check out my website, and uh, all the interest rates are listed there for all the various terms. Or just give you a call or drop you, you an email. Give me a call, yep. Yeah. And today's mortgage rates come to us from co-host and mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. So, a quick disclaimer. Mm-hmm. It's just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed by me, co-host, guests of the show, or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any real estate brokerage, or of any other realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. So, Carol Ann. Yes, Dale. Purchase plus improvement. Somebody, somebody is looking at a home. Right. They're shopping for a home, and they find a home that maybe is in the right location. There's a lot they like about this particular home, mm-hmm. but but not everything. Maybe maybe they see some maintenance or issues or up updating issues. Maybe maybe windows are old mm-hmm. and they're not energy efficient or or a kitchen. It maybe is functional in the, in the sense that it's it's the right size, enough cupboard space, maybe, but it's so outdated. Sure. And they're thinking to themselves. We're not happy with the home the way it is, but if we buy a home like this and we put the money down on the home and then we and then we have our closing costs and, and all the costs associated with the move, how in the world are we going to be able to afford to get this work done uh, right away? Mm-hmm. So we'd be happy. So what can you tell them about that? Right. So this is a, a program that I don't think is very well-known um, purchase plus improvements. It can also be a refine. There's also refinance plus improvements, which I'll talk about separately from this. So purchase plus improvements is a program that's designed for smaller improvements that you want to do. It's not a construction uh, program. So, so it wouldn't, when you say not construction, it wouldn't be an addition. 
that's well, okay, yes. Um, so no structural changes to the property. Um, up to a maximum of $40,000. Once you get into improvements that are over $40,000, that's considered a construction. Okay, so that's that's going to limit any addition, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So there, the, both, uh, two insurers, Genworth and CMHC, have this program. Um, they have different guidelines. Genworth is um, the one that I like to use because it has a little bit more flexibility in terms of the amount. So... It is, uh, like I said, um, it can't it can't exceed twenty percent of the initial purchase price or forty thousand dollars. So if you go in and you look at the house and you say, "I'd like to do," it could be it can be anything like flooring, um, kitchen, like you said, bathroom, upgrading windows, um, maybe even an energy efficient furnace. Does not include stuff like appliances. Mm-hmm. And if it is a roof, doing a roof, which you have to be buying a house that has a roof on it, it it, it may not be dollar for dollar that you would get back on putting, putting a new roof on, but that would be considered. So how the program works is you have to get quotes for the work that you want to have done. So they've gone in and they've looked at a house with you. They they like it, but they, they want to do some improvements and they don't have the cash rate on hand to do it. They go and they get quotes for the work to be done. Um, they don't even have to decide at that point who who's going to do the work. They could just go into Home Depot and get quotes for improvements. And in the end, they can use whoever they want. You can do some work on your own too, if you wish. If you're if you're good at doing some things, it, you you just can't do anything that's trade related, like plumbing or electrical. Obviously, has to be done by a tradesperson. So. You get the quotes. The quotes get submitted along with the your accepted purchase agreement. And so say the purchase price is 300000 but you think by doing these improvements, the as-improved value of the house is 320000 That is the value that it gets used, and that is also the value that gets used for your 5% down if you're doing 5%. So that's a key part of the program. If you only have 5% of 300000 you can't do the purchase plus, plus improvements. So if you, if you only have 5% of the initial purchase play, price, yeah. then and you don't have the 5% of the... As improved value. Uh, uh, the plus improvement, mm-hmm. the, the amount that's actually really going to come to you right. in the end, then it's, it's no go. So it, right. it, it's dependent on that. And then it's also dependent, you said, it's not necessarily dollar for dollar. But it could be. It could be. Um, I, I think back to the ones that I've done, and it's pretty it, – I, I can't recall where they've changed the amount that I've submitted for the as-improved value. So everybody has gotten dollar for dollar in all the ones that I've done. Um, another key component of this program is that those additional funds do not get released on closing. They get put into your lawyer's trust account. And they are held until the work is completed. And depending on the lender, you have anywhere from 90 to 120 days to complete the work. Once the work is completed and you provide proof of that, um, either with receipts, if it's a small amount that you're doing as improvements, sometimes the lender will just accept paid receipts. If it's a larger amount, an appraisal or an inspection of the property will have to be done to confirm that the work was completed. And then the funds will be released 
pretty much immediately to you. Um, you are your mortgage payment is based on that full amount, though. Even though you don't have the money, you are paying. Your mortgage payment is based on three hundred a purchase of three twenty minus your down payment, and your uh, insurance premium is added to that. So. Um, another key thing to remember about this program is if you say that you are doing, you are um, renovating a bathroom and putting some flooring into the house, and that's what your approval was based on, and then you move into the house and you decide, mm, I'm not going to do the flooring. I'm going to do. I'm going to take those funds and do do the powder room in the in the house instead. No, no, no. You can't do that. You can't change what you've decided to do because if you don't do the work you said you're going to do, the lender will only release the funds for the renovated bathroom that you said you were going to do. They won't release the remainder of the funds to you. It will get applied as a prepayment on your mortgage. Okay, so that money that money doesn't Yeah, that money never gets to you in the in the sense that it's handed cash over in hand, yeah. cash in hand. But it's it's because you're paying a mortgage based on that value, they just apply it as a prepayment. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of something that's important to remember. And now you talk about on a larger renovation, larger improvements, and Mm -hmm. and that would be dollar value. You talk about maybe the improvements need to be validated, inspected by someone. Who typically would that be? So an appraiser will go in. Um, so, so sometimes the lender will accept the quotes, but if it's a if it's a larger project, an appraiser will go in and say, "This is the as is value of the home, and this will be the as improved value on the home based upon the quotes that have been provided." So sometimes that's necessary to have the appraisal done. So then that if it's a home that needs to be inspected, that that inspector or, or quite often appraiser or maybe mo- always an appraiser, would have to go in before the process starts. That's correct. Okay. And so I'm thinking, and tell me if I'm correct, they're, they're wanting to make sure that these renovations, the <clears throat> one, were, were actually done. Right. And then done professionally. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because if you, now would it, hmm. So if you've included paint, like I had clients who who included paint, they wanted to paint the whole entire property uh, inside, sorry, interior. Um, And so the paint was included in the cost, but they were going to do the painting themselves. They didn't hire a a painter to do that, a professional. And that was perfectly okay. They just provided the receipts for the the paint and, and, and that was fine. So if, if the lender sees that you're going to do the work yourself and you're just, you're just now you're not going to get paid for your own labor. You're only no. going to get paid for the materials, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So if, if the lender knows you're going and the insurer knows you're going to do the work yourself, as opposed to getting a professional contractor, are they more likely to want to have that work checked, do you know? It depends on the dollar amount again, no, like I said. If you're if it's dollar. lower a lower amount of an improvement, um, like I just had one that closed uh, this summer and they were doing improvements and most of the work was being done by a contractor. Uh, we just provided a letter from the contractor saying the work was complete uh, as per the original invoice provided. And the lender accepted that as proof they didn't require an inspection to be done and the funds mm-hmm. were released. And and so 
when the work is done, and you said typically it's anywhere depending on lender between 90 and mm -hmm. 120 mm -hmm. days, mm -hmm. when that work is done and is validated, however the lender needs it to be validated, how long does it take for that money to be released? So it should happen fairly quickly. The lender will notify the the lawyer to release the funds. So then it depends on how quickly the lawyer will release the funds from their trust account. But it's it's quick. It's within we're not days. It should be. Yeah. It should be within days. Now I did have um, I did have clients that um, not due to anything of their fault, but they had ordered something for for the house. Um, I think it was uh, it was windows. And um, the the windows that they received were the incorrect windows. So then they, the company had to reorder the windows and they were on back order, which pushed out the time for this work to be completed. And so it was going beyond the 120-day mark. I just provided that explanation to the lender and they extended the, the time frame for them. So it wasn't a hard, fast rule. So they work with a common sense approach. Yes. Or, or I guess nothing's guaranteed, but you. In that case, it worked out. You, okay. You've seen samples mm -hmm. of them working like right. that. Now, now somebody saying, "Okay, I'm buying this house, and and we, you know what, we we want to incorporate these renovations into our mortgage right up front." There's. Uh, there's also the fact that you you do have to come up with some of that money to get the the project going because even if you if you're using a contractor they're not just going to do all the work without you giving them anything yeah you usually they'll accept a deposit mm -hmm. and then they'll get they'll at when the work is completed they'll get the remainder um so that is something that you have to figure out you either have to work with a contractor that way you have to have funds available on a line of credit perhaps or um i think you know with home depot you can go in and get a get their card and uh they'll mm -hmm. you know you don't have to pay anything for six months or 12 months or something so you could do it that way there's a there's a few yeah. ways that you could do that and and i'm i'm your experience with clients that have gone down this road, uh, do, do they tend to find a contractor who will take whatever amount, percentage up front? Yeah, like and 10% usually. And, and wait for yeah. the Purchase Plus mm -hmm. improvement money yeah. to come in? Yeah. So that's, that's really great. So not only is this program working with you, but local contractors and building supply places mm -hmm. will work with you as well. So the great, great solution. Carolyn, we're just going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and you're going to tell us a little bit about the refinance part of it, where, where you do refinance plus improvements. Right. All right, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join Carolyn and me after this break, and we will take a look at refinance plus improvements. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my co-host today is Carol Ann Bryant. Carol Ann is Northumberland County's mortgage broker for the Broker Financial Group. And Carol Ann, before the break, we were talking about uh, CMHC and Genworth, uh, the insurer's program, 
which which many or if not all lenders would it be all lenders are not all but uh, quite a lot do so many lenders are involved we were talking about the purchase plus improvements Mm -hmm. when you buy a home and and the home you're about to buy you can instantly incorporate uh the money Required small improvements, yeah. For small improvements up to 40000 And you were mentioning there's one other aspect of this program, which isn't the purchase plus improvement, but it is the... Refinance plus improvement. So you're, you know, people that have been in their home for a while over the last couple of years, we've gained some instant equity thanks to the market. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I want to do some improvements in my home uh, to stay I don't want to move. I'd like to do some improvements. So it's kind of similar, pretty much similar to Purchase Plus. If you were just to refinance your home, not under that program, but you just wanted to take some equity out of your home to do some whatever you want to do, uh, you can only go up to 80% of the appraised value of your home. Mm-hmm. So with the purchase or with the refinance plus improvements, um, you can you can those numbers can change so the the program is exactly the same you have to have the the quotes uh, everything about that program is the same you have to have the quotes uh, the money is held in the trust account until the work is completed and so it's just a it's just another way of doing work in your house if you would like to you know you are breaking your existing mortgage so penalties would apply if you're not at the end of your term so if you're planning on doing that if you coincide it with when your term is over then you wouldn't be paying a penalty yeah so something worth if you're staying in your home and your term's coming up uh, certainly something worth investigating right so now you can instead of whatever your current market value is you would do the same thing you would say what if, what if we did this work well now my house is worth this much money so now we can go up you know up to the not exceeding the $40,000 so it's a way of getting some additional funds to do those improvements in your home and if anybody would like to know more about purchase plus improvements or financing plus improvements they can simply give you a call or send send you an email and at the end of the show we'll we'll give people your phone number and email address sure. Well, Carolyn, we're going to get into something a little lighter than numbers, r- numbers and <laughs> financing. Yeah, we're going to get into <clears throat> what I what I'm calling the lighter side of real estate. Now, the, this lighter side of real estate, keep in mind, it's not lighter for the people that were involved in it necessarily at the time that they were involved. Maybe maybe after a little bit of time passes by, they might be able to. Uh, uh, look at it from a new perspective and find uh, a little more humor in it. I was reading through, we get a, a lot of different real estate uh, journals and information mm-hmm. sent to us all the time. And I, I came across a neat article and it's by uh, Mark Wiseletter. And, and Mark is a, a partner, an author, and a speaker at the law for, at the law firm realestatelawyers.ca and he's a regular contributor to real estate magazine and that's where I found this information in a recent uh, REM magazine online and uh, he writes when you think 
you have seen everything in real estate and in a real estate deal, something new occurs. Uh, and he also mentions that the important thing as, as we're hearing this or reading this, not just to take it at entertainment value, which there's certainly an aspect of entertainment mm-hmm. value to it, but also there's something you can learn from from this because uh you know these are real situations that have happened and that's happened to him he's seen it in real estate and so what can a person do to prevent it so here's here's something very simple but it's uh it's a situation he says when the transaction closes and uh, say we were buying a home and we're told the the deal is closed. Come pick up the keys, and we go. We we get a key from the lawyer, and we get to the house, and we realize the door has two locks. Uh oh. The door has two locks. We can unlock one of the locks. We can't get in. Ah. Uh. Yeah. He he writes this happens more often than you think. Really. Yeah. He says calling the sellers won't help because they probably left the rest of the keys on the kitchen counter. Oh, right. So yes. what you need is likely right inside. And, and if they didn't, I'm, I'm, I mean, this is what I'm thinking. If they didn't leave it in the, on the kitchen counter, uh, they're in the middle of a move too. Of course. They may have no idea. Now, he said, he said uh, calling the sellers won't help. I mean, I'd still give them a call just in case it was on a key ring. And, uh, well, you would call your realtor, and your realtor would call that exactly. Their realtor. Yeah, you don't yeah. call them direct, but uh, I would I would be asking my realtors to get in, in touch because it could just be sitting on sure. the, in their key ring, and they just don't know that they didn't uh, leave it. Um, he says the the likely choice for a buyer when this happens is to call a locksmith who offers twenty four hour service to get you in and then send the bill to the sellers. Hmm. Yeah. So if, I mean, I'd, I'd be doing that quick call to the realtor. If you can't get in, then he's saying, call locksmith. They'll sure. respond quickly. But, but he's talking about quickly being, you know, up to 24 hour service. And you have movers maybe with. Well, that's just it. We, and, <laughs> waiting to unload a truck. And, and Mark here, Mark, Wiseletter, he is a lawyer, a real estate lawyer. So he's suggesting you send that bill to the seller. So uh, he he seems to believe, by what I'm reading here, the sellers will end up having to pay for it because they've just sold you a home which you can't get access to. Mm-hmm. So he's he's stating here that that uh, locksmith service can be up to four hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean that that makes my eyes widen. Four hundred dollars yeah. to get After that done. After you've just spent all the expenses you've had in buying the new house, so you might be kind of tapped out for a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> the, now you're not only sending uh, the seller a bill for four hundred dollars, but you might be sending the seller a bill for having the movers keep that truck with your furniture full in it, or if it is overnight, mm. and it's not just a matter of hours that you're paying extra for the movers, you may, maybe they need the truck for something else that they got booked. Maybe you, they're going to have to empty it. Put it on the front lawn. Put it, well, <laughs> put it in storage. 
So you might have to have storage. Yeah. And and what happens if it is overnight? If the locksmith at that, I mean, I would hope you could get a locksmith out, you mm-hmm. know, within a few hours. But if you had to wait overnight, um, then and you have to rent a room. I mean, that could be that could be a big cost. Costly. And and I'd be checking windows to see if I could open a window. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> let's this is now it's your house, right? Yeah. So you can get a little resourceful. But you also don't want to do damage, no. Because you're, you're, how successful will you be on sending the bill for damage? Yeah. When, when uh, the seller might say you didn't have to do that. So how can you avoid that? Then I wonder. Well, let, let to... me let me look what uh, Mark says for lessons. He says sellers need to make sure. So sellers need to make sure that they give their lawyer enough keys to provide access to the buyer after closing. Uh, what he says his office does, and I'm not sure if any local real real estate offices do this, but he says uh, local lawyer offices do this. But he said in in his real estate office, in most cases, they give the sellers a lockbox. So a lockbox, just like we use as realtors to give access for viewings, they give the seller a lockbox and ask them to leave the keys in the lockbox for the buyer on closing. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, so I guess that saves a trip of the uh, of of the buyer going to the lawyer's office to get the keys. They'll they'll likely give the buyer the access code as soon as the transaction is complete. Right. But I mean, that's that's what they do. But that doesn't necessarily mean the seller. Left both keys in the lockbox either. And there could be a few keys. There could be a key to a mailbox. Yeah. Well, I mean. A garage key if it's a separate garage. All you need to do is leave keys to get in. The the rest of the keys still can be on the kitchen counter, right? Yeah. Anyways, if that happens to you, it doesn't seem like uh, the lighter side of real estate at the time. But looking back or not being involved. And uh, there's there's a, a slight bit of humor component to that. We have another one here. What's the situation here? Mark says uh, the buyer walked in after closing, and the entire house smelled worse than the Seinfeld car. Okay. Did you see an episode of Seinfeld where a car smelled? <laughs> I'm trying to remember, and I can't. Yeah. I can't remember. I mean, I've seen a few of those shows, but I can't so say I'm, it. I'm going to guess then it was. It a was horrible like, smell. Oh, it was likely a horrible smell. So, I mean, really disappointing. And you and I, we bought a home in Oshawa. Yes. That was just like. That. Oh yeah, it was terrible. We would we as as I was carrying furniture through the house. My gag reflex was like, yeah, (laughs) but that's when we were young and we weren't involved in this business and we didn't catch the red flags that when we went and looked at it, all the windows were open and they had air fresheners throughout the whole house. Hidden, hidden. Yeah, they were hidden, the air freshers. That's right. They were. When we moved in, we saw them in the most inconspicuous places. That's right. Yeah. So then we were hit with some Yeah, and, and windows awful, were wide, wide yeah, open. Those are red flags, people. So what what uh, Mark Weisletter says here is he says, in most cases, it's hard to sue for these kind of issues after closing unless the seller did something to actively conceal the smell 
when the buyers were visiting the home in the first place. Mm, so wish we had known that. Yeah. Way back when. Knowledge is power, but it it still could have been very difficult. Well, how in how yeah. And what would you be suing for? You'd be suing for a cleanup. Yes. And and then that's that's also a, a judgment call too. What what we thought was horrific, someone else might have just said, you know what, just suck it up and uh, and. And uh, you know, I guess without knowing the what the horrific smell was in this case, it's hard to mm-hmm. hard to hard to tell. But yeah, and and with our situation, we look back and and it's sort of humorous right it's, now. It's right? funny now. It's, it wasn't funny well, it at wasn't the time. Funny at all. And also, we had discovered that furniture that they had in the house was hiding some very badly stained carpeting too. So they yeah. moved furniture around to hide stuff. And I think in our case, it'll. I think it was all to do with pets. It and, was, and indeed. All, and, and these were pets that weren't necessarily doing their business outside. That's correct. Yeah. That's, that's correct. A little bit disgusting when I think about it, but I mean, it it, it happens. And, and it, I guess as a pet owner, if you don't get on it right away, you know, and you don't see what's happened right away, then things get a chance to... Uh, it's like those commercials too, are you've become nose blind so maybe as a pet owner, you don't smell what other people coming into your house. So maybe the realtor, when he mm-hmm. he listed it, said, you know what? There's some smells in here that we need to hide. Maybe the owners were <laughs> oblivious. Yeah. And, and, and the lesson learned here, uh, what Mark says is, be wary whenever you smell air, an air freshener yeah. throughout the home during a viewing and... Uh, Ask questions and make sure you have the home inspected because, I mean, the more, even though the home inspector isn't necessarily looking for air fresheners, air fresheners, (laughs) I mean, a good, it could be scented candles. I mean, a lot of people do scented candles too, but I mean, this was back in the eighties when we bought this house, home inspections were not something that people did. Not so, I mean, they were out there, I'm but sure. that wasn't common. It, it was also a hot market too. Yeah. When we were, it was a seller's market and we were desperate for a house. So, yeah. so I mean, now when I take people around to homes, as soon as, as soon as we smell uh, candles or fresheners or, or what, Windows open, all windows open. (laughs) All windows open. Well, not so much windows open. If it's a nice day and it's keeping the house cool. But as soon as we smell an artificial smell, definitely the the radar goes off and we're wondering, what are you hiding? Yeah. So, I mean, to, to homeowners who are selling, if you don't have a big problem in your home. Don't put the scented stuff. Yeah, you, maybe you enjoy it, but a lot of people either don't enjoy it or they're actually suspicious they're re they react to it yeah and they they won't even be able to stay in your home long enough to look at it and for your home to be an option to purchase that's me i can't exactly go into a house with scented candles and you're and you're not alone and 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 even if you do enjoy the smell of it the people are, are very possible to be uh, very suspicious of what you're hiding, and they're now they're looking at your home, thinking the worst. Yeah, they're really being uh, very sharp-eyed for mm-hmm. any problems. I, I'd suggest things that are more, you know, if you want to have a nice fragrance in your home, think of things like the first thing I think of is a bread maker. 
get yeah. a bread maker going and and have that nice smell of uh fresh break baked bread yeah or cookies bake some cookies some so, kind of cooking something like that yeah. that it, you're not so like suspicious and yeah. people love the smell I, I i think even gluten people that eat gluten uh free I think they they still like would smell bread. yeah. How can you not like <laughs> that? And and instead of hiding something, use cleaners. Use cleaners maybe with a, a lemon scent in it uh, because the smell of clean is certainly different than the smell of cover up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's a definite difference in smell, and I would also suggest dry air. Make sure the air is dry in the in the home because if it's if it's uh, humid. Your smells, smells come are out. intensified. Mm-hmm. Well, Caroline, we're we just we're just getting started here, but we're on another break here, folks. And you've been listening to Reality Realty Northumberland eighty nine seven FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we're going to continue to look at the lighter side of real estate. Welcome back. This is your Real Estate Forum, Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. My co-host today is Carol Ann Bryant, mortgage broker with the Broker Financial Group. And Carol Ann, before the break, we were talking about the lighter side, the unusual side, the quirky side of real estate. Uh, and in its... In, once again, we do we do have compassion here. Yeah, I was going to say, should it be the unfortunate side the of real estate? Unfortunate side, yeah. Not not and and because it's, it's not all fun and games for the people that uh, are involved with it at that time. But here's another one, and and this article comes uh, was written by Mark Wiseletter, and he's a, a Toronto lawyer, real estate lawyer, and so here's a situation here he writes about. He says the the buyer finds out, and it's a buyer of a place that is tenanted. So it's an investment purchase. And he says the buyer finds out that his tenant has a pet pig. And the buyer wants to know, can I evict them? Hmm. So, I mean, it's not your typical domesticated pet. No. And you're buying a place, and you find out your, your tenant is a uh, owner of a pet pig, pet pig, mm-hmm. and and maybe you're concerned. You're thinking this is a barn animal, mm-hmm. and and that that barn animal could start ruining my investment. Right. So, Mark writes here. This actually happened to a client of mine. Interestingly, the city had a bylaw permitting certain licensed pigs as pets, hmm. and since the tenant's pig was licensed and was not damaging the premises, there was nothing the land court lord could do about it. Ah. Yeah, so Mark suggests always, and this is neat, because more and more people are using this, employers are using this, he's saying always check out the social media. Look on Facebook, look on Twitter, look on Google+, because... If this, well, for potential tenants, if, check them yeah, out. And check see. them out because if they have an unusual pet, if they have, you know, some exotic spiders or or large scary snakes or pigs or monkeys, they yeah monkeys, they're they're very likely to have pictures of them on their oh, Facebook for sure, yeah, because because they would be very proud likely of yeah. this unusual uh, pet. So. Use Facebook, but yeah, I mean, a little bit funny in a way, 
and not so much funny for the person who really didn't want to have a tenant with a pet pig. Mm-hmm. So here's something here, and and I'm going to say, I don't find, I don't know where you find the funny side of this, but I mean, it, it, once again, if everything goes well, if everything works out, you could look back on this and say, um, it, there was some humor to it, okay. uh, cir- circumstantial humor, but um, Mark's talking about a situation where there's a, the deal is clo- is about to close. The deal is ready to be closed, and the buyer they have a certified check, so it's being the money's being transferred with a certified check, mm-hmm. and it's being is being sent via courier. Mm-hmm. Well, the courier gets stuck in traffic, and their cell phone dies. Uh Uh-oh. So that means the money's not going to show up, Mm -hmm. maybe on time, because this deal has to close when the the, uh, registry offices are actually open. Right. And once again, just like we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, you you have moving trucks possibly waiting. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a big deal is if uh, if you're trying to close another deal and you need the funds from that deal to close yeah. the next deal. It's a domino effect. It, it's a domino effect. So, so what's going to happen? Um, and uh, he writes, if the buyer lawyer does not make sure that the seller lawyer has the closing funds before 6 p.m. on closing day, the seller may be able to cancel the deal. He doesn't say will be able to because, I mean, it, it, it would it would ultimately be a court thing. But the seller may be able to cancel the deal. I would. Mm, I, I, I don't I'm, find the humor in that no, myself. No, I, I don't find it either. I mean, in all likelihood, the deal will get done the very next business day. But if it's Friday, it's closing. The next business day Monday. is Monday. Uh, he's saying this can be very painful, especially when the seller's lawyer needs these funds to close another deal. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what we were talking about. The lesson here that Mark says is m- more and more law firms are recognizing that it makes much more sense to just electronically transfer the funds from the buyer to the seller's lawyer in the trust accounts, and they usually use a wire transfer Mm-hmm. So he's saying to avoid these problems from arising in the first place, uh, the money transfer occurs in me, uh, to use to use the large value transfer system. Uh, so do do it electronically. Yeah, if, which which becomes uh, for the buyer part of their closing cost. That wire transfer fee gets tacked onto their closing costs. Yeah, but uh, I, it's, it would be it's better than not be having the deal close. Far better. So right. I mean, once again. I mean, it's an interesting and and humorous story if everything works out in the end. But yeah, uh, I don't find that one so humorous. Not, not so so. <laughs> no. Yeah, Mark, what were you writing about? <laughs> All right, so here's here's an interesting one. This is definitely no. Well, it's just like all of them. I I mean, I see the humor in it much more than I see the downside. Okay, but that's because I'm not the buyer of this place. So Mark, Mark Weisletter, the lawyer who wrote this uh, article on strange occurrences in real estate, he titled this one, the fifth one we're doing here, Who's Been Sleeping in My Bed? <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, what could that mean? <laughs> so he says, I had, uh, Mark writes, I had buyers walk into their home after closing only to find someone living in the basement. <laughs> Claim, <laughs> yeah, this person was claiming to be their tenant. <laughs> okay, that is kind of funny. <laughs> for us, it is. <laughs> He was not. <laughs> or horrifying. For or, yeah, imagine <laughs> you're walking into a vacant home and and, and you go to someone. Hello. And I'm your tenant. Yeah. Okay. And what did it say? Someone living in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, not there during the home inspection <laughs> or any of the viewings. And this person claimed to have a verbal lease with the landlord. <laughs> so naturally, the people that bought the home. They were uh, they they called the police, and and Mark writes here, the police were called, and fortunately, he he writes this is a key word. Fortunately, the person left within not immediately, but left within twenty four hours. So my thought is, he he's saying fortunately, he left within twenty four hours, meaning. Could it have been difficult to get him out of your your home you just bought if... It sounds like it. If he didn't want to leave. Wow. Because he's claiming, wow. he's claiming he has a verbal contract. Yeah. So then that would have to be disproved in in court. I, you know what? So I, it'd be time. And it's all speculation, but... Yeah. I mean, here's a lawyer saying, fortunately, he left. Oh, okay. I, I do see the humor in that one. Yeah. So, lesson learned here for <laughs> Mark. <laughs> lesson learned. How do you prevent that from happening? Well, let's see what he says here. Uh, always, oh, and this is, this is just good common sense. Always have a pre-closing inspection of your home. Right. Uh, and, and quite, and most often I, I mentioned to my buyers, let's, let's get in there the day before the day closing before. Yeah. and take a look, make sure the house is the same house that you bought in the first place. Nothing bad has happened. Yeah. And, and I didn't know we were checking for, for uh, people living people in the basement. Li- yeah. For, for, you can add that tennis. to your list now. Yeah. And, and he's saying, and that helps to make sure there's no surprises after closing. And he says this also includes making sure that the seller removes all their junk and leaves the home in a, a clean and broom swept condition. I mean, stuff can still happen on the actual closing day, but that kind of doing it the day before is yeah, a good idea. Here's Carolyn. Here's here's something I, I want to read, and this is this is a a listing, a real listing that happened in the U.S. and and this is quite. Quite amusing, quite quite creative from the realtor. Okay. The realtor writes, this is the perfect starter home to show your parents and friends that you have it together. This home boasts two bedrooms and two baths. Never fear. The master suite is big enough in case you want to avoid guests by hiding out in there. In the event that you do feel like socializing and entertaining... Take a walk down to the kitchen, complete with granite countertops and a large pantry, which is perfect for storing your gluten-free biscuit. Score, they write. <laughs> Location is everything in real estate, which this home has locked down. For starters, the seller ensures that you will have no problem getting your Fitbit steps in each day. 
The property is walking distance from all of the downtown shops, restaurants, and trendy workout joints where you can throw on your Lululemon and work it off, of course. And if Birmingham, so it's in Birmingham, if Birmingham itself didn't already seem appealing, the seller promises that the home provides ample outdoor space so that you'll be able to enjoy at least one of Birmingham's three spring days. And then, then the realtor writes, we'll take three over zero any day. If kids are part of your family, you're in luck, as getting them to school will become infinitely easier as you'll be within walking distance of it. This means that you'll be able to throw, uh, that you'll be able to just toss your kids over the fence in the backyard to get them there quicker because you are running behind because getting a kid ready in a timely fashion is difficult. It should also be noted that the seller includes the disclaimer to not throw kids. Good move. The home has a giant basement for storing or finishing, uh, for storage or finishing. So feel free to tell mom the home has a basement in case of storms and she will almost certainly nod in approval. You're welcome, mom, she writes. The house is on the market for $299,999. That's a clever one. Yeah. Clever? Do you think it's effective? Um, it, because it's different. It's not the typical listing description. No. So it would catch your attention, right? You're, you're you would read can, it. You're, you're, you're going to read it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. So lighter, I like it. Lighter side of real estate. Carol Ann, the end of a show. Thank you so much for joining as a co-host you're today. You're welcome, Dale. If somebody wants to know more about mortgages, more about that purchase plus improvements, mm -hmm. how can they get in contact with you? Uh, best way is my cell phone, 289-251-2948. All right. Email address? Yeah, it's a long email address. So Let's I'll, get going. I'll say carolann at mortgages.work.ca. So and that's why I say cell phone is yeah. the best way to get a hold. You can call me. You can text me. All right. Well, and folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing my shorter email address. That's dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the radio station at 905-372-2391 and leave a message. You can leave a message for me. You can leave a message for Carol Ann. And don't forget to join me, Dale Bryant. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland, 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.